Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hit it! The Democrat Party using the United States Postal Service to deliver more electoral chaos. Folks, we've seen it before. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in to sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Stop the tape. That's Chuck Schumer. Mid-sentence, effectively blaming Donald Trump for any kind of electoral malfeasance. This is amazing, folks. I mean, we've seen the foundation laid for this many, many years ago, approximately 20 years ago, when Al Gore challenged the election results of the year 2000 against George W. Bush. It's laid the foundation for what we're seeing now, and that is the modern Democrat Party using every tool in its case to try and sow fear and uncertainty and disenfranchisement among the American people vis-a-vis the balloting system and trying to blame the current occupant of the White House for this uncertainty that's now showing up in polling. More on that in a moment. But it is, of course, the Democrat Party and the mainstream media that is sowing this uncertainty regarding balloting in this country, blaming the President of the United States, when we know, if we look in the United States Constitution, here's a pocket version of it right here, that it is up to the states to decide how and when the balloting takes place. It has nothing to do with the first branch or the second branch or the third branch of government. It has nothing to do with the federal government. It is a state process, and Chuck Schumer knows this, but unfortunately, because we don't teach the Constitution anymore in in the majority of public schools, Most of the American people are thinking, oh, it must be the President of the United States who is responsible for balloting in this country and and making sure that the the ballots are mailed out. You know, this is going to be an all-by-mail ballot, the election of of 2020, whether we like it or not. Even the red states are going to be doing this as well. I mean, why not? All the blue states are doing it. The largest state in the Union, California, has gone all Mail. New York has gone all mail, and we had a preview of what happened in New York, the debacle there during the primary, when they sent out all these mail-in ballots with the metered 
stamps that don't have a time date stamp on them when they're returned back. So some judge looks at that and says, ah, well, then we better hold everything. We cannot declare a winner until all the ballots are counted. Every vote is counted, right? This is what we're going to hear. This is what we're going to hear on November 4th. I guarantee it. We cannot certify any results. This is this is what this is all about. As the Democrats continue to hammer home about the United States Postal Service and calling this emergency meeting, they should be working anyway, for crying out loud. The checker at the grocery store is working. Why isn't Nancy Pelosi and company? Why aren't they in Washington, D.C.? The folks at Costco, guys are out there in the middle of the summer heat, Wiping down all the buttons that I push and the, and the pump that I pick up to put gasoline in my car. Why in the wide world of sports aren't these elected officials in Washington, D.C. doing their jobs? We're in the middle of a pandemic, folks. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Washington, D.C. should be doing what Washington, D.C. does best. And that's spending our money, money that we don't have, which is an incredible sideshow that's going on right now and it's hard for me to quantify the fact that we are 26 trillion dollars in debt in our national debt and some 200 trillion dollars in the in the uh, unfunded liability department which includes medicare and social security and all other facets of government that have ious in what is supposed to be robust bank accounts savings Accounts, if you will, on behalf of the American people. It's all IOUs. That's how we come up with the $200 trillion unfunded liability. But back to Chuck Schumer. He knows what he's talking about here. He knows that he's lying to the American people. This is effectively what the Democrat Party is doing. Sowing fear through the mainstream media, the the co-conspirators in the mainstream media, sowing fear through the mainstream media, lying to the American people and then stepping back like these political arsonists that they are and saying, oh, well, look at the fire over there. We better send in the federal government to put out this fire. It's exactly what's happening with the United States Postal Service. They're trying to deliver more electoral chaos to sow doubt among the American people if Donald Trump happens to win on November 3rd. And I firmly believe we're not going to have the... No results are going to be certified um, on November 3rd. So we might as well just get ready for it. And then, of course, we're going to have the accusations that Donald Trump is refusing to leave off, which is absolute nonsense. If Donald Trump were to lose, and I don't believe that's necessarily going to happen, Donald Trump is going to leave office just like Barack Obama left office. Remember, there were people on the Internet Facebook and Twitter and saying that uh, Barack Obama was never going to leave office, that he was going to be king. Well, this was nonsense. That was never any kind of real threat to our Republican. And if Donald Trump, again, God forbid, if he happens to lose to sloppy Joe Biden, he is going to vacate as prescribed in the United States Constitution. He's not not going to leave. In fact, he probably would be relieved to a certain degree. I know he wants to win. I know he very much wants to win. Back to Chuck Schumer, sowing the seeds of doubt over the United States Postal Service. Roll tape. He's going to lose. It doesn't matter. Our elections are sacred. And to do Stop this- tape. Yeah, of course, 
They're sacred. The problem is we have the modern Democrat Party corrupting this sacred process. And they know what they're doing in California or in New York with this mail-in ballot system. They're mailing ballots to every voter. Yes, every voter is going to get a ballot. The problem is their voter rolls are corrupt in Los Angeles County alone. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of five, six hundred thousand people who shouldn't names who shouldn't be on the voter rolls in Los Angeles County. And there's a lawsuit pending which is forcing Los Angeles County to clean up its voter rolls, but it's not going to be in time. And so L.A. County is just one example of many. You can multiply it out throughout the state of California, San Francisco County, San Diego County, all these counties, these large populations in the San Jose area where the voter rolls are corrupt. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that hundreds of thousands of ballots are going to be mailed out in California that belong to no one. So these are dead people, if you will. These are people who who have moved and then haven't told anybody about it in California. Maybe they moved to Idaho. Maybe they moved to Texas, and then they didn't tell anybody about it. So these ballots are still going to be mailed out. And then, of course, you have the provisional ballots. They're going to print up millions of provisional ballots in California. How exactly are the provisional ballots going to work in California? In the old days, you would... For a provisional ballot, you'd have to walk into a polling place, right? And you would say, hey, you know, I just moved to the neighborhood, um, so I'm probably not going to be on your roll, your voter roll here. May I please have a provisional ballot? I'll fill it out. And then, of course, they cross-check it later on somehow, some way. And does it affect the outcome of the election? Probably not. But the bottom line is there is a verification process for provisional ballots. So how... Exactly, is Gavin Newsom going to work the provisional ballots when they're all mailing? How does that work, Gavin? Do you just print up a bunch of ballots and and mail them out randomly? Do you mail them to the registrar of voters in in, in each of the counties and each of the precincts, and then you just allow people to walk up and ballot harvest? It's a ballot harvesting free-for-all that's going to be taking place in California. There's no doubt about it. The election results are going to be corrupt. They are going to be, from a a statistical standpoint, worthless. Absolutely worthless. And we know that in the end it's going to skew toward any and all Democrat candidates. They're going to be completely invalid, the election results are, in California. And these close races... You know, they're going to be probably taking place in for Congress in Orange County, for example. There's going to be a couple, three close races there. You're going to watch the days after the election. You know, you may have a Republican in the lead, and we've seen this before. We saw it in 2018. You have a Republican in the lead. And then over the, the hours and the days and probably weeks, in this case, they count more votes. They count more votes as they roll in through the United States Postal Service. And lo and behold, what's going to happen? Suddenly, the Democrat candidate is going to come out on top. You mark my words. So it's going to happen in California. It's going to happen potentially in New Jersey, in New York, and a lot of these blue states. I don't know, Illinois, possibly in some races, but in a lot of these blue states, Michigan, we're not going to be able to certify the results, probably even for president of the United States, until days after, potentially weeks after November 3rd. And then, of course, there'll be the inevitable lawsuits 
at the federal level, possibly for president of the United States. Oh, we have a situation uh, in Florida where we have more ballots we need to count, Judge. And then you find a liberal judge and they say, "Okay, some lawyer dressed in a black robe. Okay, well, then we better not certify what's going on in in Florida or in Michigan. Now we have some uncounted ballots over here. We have some mail coming in, Judge. Well, then we better not certify what's going on in Michigan, possibly Wisconsin, possibly Arizona. All these states, all of these swing states, they are going to be ground zero for this battle royal that's now being set up by the modern Democrat Party and Chuck Schumer. Roll tape. This is disgraceful. The postal system is well loved by America. Stop tape. So this is what Chuck Schumer knows. He knows the polling. This reminds me of, in a way, it's politically brilliant, right? If he knows that the polling is that the American people trust, I don't know about love, maybe it's a love-hate relationship, but if overall the American people trust the United States Postal Service, then he knows that any attacks on the Postal Service being framed by the mainstream media, they're not really attacks, but that's the way the media and the Democrats are, are framing it, this effort to, to revamp the Postal Service by the Trump administration. This is decades overdue. It's actually the job of the Congress. Now, the executive branch must operate and and help administer and run, if you will, the United States Postal Service. But in the end, it is the domain of the United States Congress. And what the Republicans have blown here is we've known for decades that the Postal Service is billions of dollars in the red every year, right? It runs a huge deficit. And the American people have to bail out the Postal Service every year, largely because of the pension that is destroying any kind of fiscal sanity for the United States Postal Service. But let's also face it, it's an antiquated system that doesn't run very well, largely because of the union operation in the Postal Service. But the Republicans have known this for decades. The Democrats have, but of course they love bloated and uh, negative spending government, right? They love deficit spending, and they love pensions, and they love unions. So the United States Postal Service to the Democrats is sacrosanct. It's something they're never going to touch. It's their third rail. But the Republicans could have when, for example, the Republicans had control of the Congress right after the election of 2016, the Congress and the presidency. What if they attempted at that time, during that two-year window, Paul Ryan, to not only secure the border, which Paul Ryan ran away from and lied to the president about, that there wasn't enough support to build the wall. That was an out-and-out lie from Paul Ryan. But what if they had the backbone to attack matters like restructuring the United States Postal Service or allowing privatization of the postal delivery in this country? In other words, allow... United States Postal or uh, UPS or Federal Express or maybe break off in a complete and total separate entity and allow it to be run by the private sector, which would run it well and not run it into the ground because the private sector is not the federal government and the private sector will not be bailed out necessarily by the federal government, by taxpayers like the system is right now. And so the Republicans blew it. They've had their opportunity. It wasn't just in the 2017-2018 window either. There have been other opportunities decades ago 
to blow up the post office, privatize it, and allow the thing to be run in a proper manner, the way Benjamin Franklin would have wanted. But no, the Republicans didn't. Now we have this situation. We have a corrupt United States Postal Service and a corrupt Democrat leader in the United States Senate by the name of Chuck Schumer, who knows that people you know, kind of love the, the Postal Service in this country. It's, it's, it's kind of a, an ongoing love affair. You know, you, you love to get the mail sometimes, most of the time. Sometimes you don't like to get court documents in the mail. But uh, for the most part, people enjoy getting mail. Now, these younger generations, they don't even know what mail is, right? They won't even use, uh, they won't even use electronic mail, uh, a.k.a. email. They're instant messaging all the time, right? They're, they're text messaging. My daughter rarely, she says, oh, yeah, Dad, I use email. Ah, I send her an email. It takes about four or five months for her to reply. Text message, I might get a reply in a couple of days. So there's a pecking order here. And I certainly wouldn't send her something in the mail. <laughs> that would be years before I would get a reply from her. But overall, you know, this aging population that we have likes the Postal Service. And so Chuck Schumer knows he's got a winner, just like the Wuhan coronavirus, right? Remember, now they, they attacked the president on Comey. They attacked the president through Robert Mueller and the phony investigation. And they attacked the president on Russian collusion. They even attacked the president abusing the United States Constitution in trying to impeach the president. None of that stuck with the American people for one reason or another. Most of it because it wasn't valid. But it didn't stick with the American people. Ah, but then they swerved into the Wuhan coronavirus. And that put the fear of God into all, virtually all Americans. A few of us were not afraid, but they're virtually the vast majority of Americans, 330 million people, were suddenly in a state of shock and panic and fear. And it's so something that virtually everybody shares. You know, in the news industry, when you are out there in the newsroom and you're trying to pick what story to lead with, what is the most important story, it was drilled into my head many, many years ago that you try and pick a story, a headline, that is shared by the most number of people. For example, uh, if, if you have a story about a, a, a massive car crash um, that affected eh, maybe a few thousand people on the highway, versus an earthquake or a hurricane or a tornado that affects hundreds of thousands of people, you go with the natural disaster because it affects as many people as possible to so try and get them to watch your, your news uh, that night. Same thing is being applied here with the Wuhan coronavirus and now the United States Postal Service. Everybody gets mail, even millennials, even Generation Z. They may not know how to get it. They may not go down to the mailbox, open up and get their mail. It's probably <laughs> it's probably a mile high. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make fun of these uh, younger generations, but let's face it, this is kind of the way they operate. The bottom line is most people like the mail service. They may not like the way it operates. Um, they may not be paying, paying attention to the fact that there's a huge pension uh, problem. But Chuck Schumer knows that most Americans like the Postal Service. And so we have these efforts by the Democrat Party to try and sow uncertainty and fear among the American people 
about the U.S. Postal Service because their narrative is that Donald Trump and the Trump administration is corrupting the Postal Service and they want to freeze it. You know, so Nancy Pelosi and company are running back to Congress so they can kind of freeze the situation and rescue the situation and pour more money into the situation so that Donald Trump can't corrupt the United States Postal Service, which then corrupts the vote, which then affects the outcome of the presidential election. This is the narrative from Nancy Pelosi and the corrupt mainstream media. And so they're running back to Congress ostensibly to fix the problem. But see, the narrative is already established. See, we're fewer than 80 days away from the election, and the narrative is established that Donald Trump is trying to corrupt the Postal Service. By corrupting the Postal Service, he's trying to corrupt the vote. And so come Election Day, you know they're going to fall back on this. And they have their lieutenants out there, the Democrats do, like this nutcase, Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, this is going to be very important post-election day because you're going to have these governors in these swing states. Uh, Whitmer uh, in Michigan. You have the guy in Arizona. Uh, I don't. He's a registered Republican, but many times he acts like a Democrat. You have Sisolak in Nevada. There's another swing state. These governors are going to play a crucial role in counts and recounts and making sure that every vote is counted and appeals on this race and that race and certification, et cetera, et cetera. And Whitmer is going to be at the center. She's going to be at the eye of this post-election storm. Mark my words. Roll tape. When he talks about trying to you know, push down the number of people that can vote by taking away our, our ability to vote by mail in the midst of a global pandemic. Stop it. See, see, this is the narrative. Taking away our precious right to vote in the middle of a pandemic. The, the, the Democrats are out there trying to make things good, right? Trying to handle the situation in the middle of a pandemic. And their wonderful solution is mail-in ballots so people don't spread disease when they're waiting in line to vote or they're going to their, their, their polling places, right? It's okay in Portland right now to have these rioters in the streets, as they were again last night, attacking people, attacking private property, attacking public property. That's just fine. They can show up in person to riot in Portland. Same thing in Seattle, by the way. There were massive anti-police rallies in Seattle. It's so amazing to me. You know, these, these so sophisticated people in Seattle, they want to go to their Starbucks and enjoy their latte, but at the same time, they want to eliminate police. And so how are they going to be able to enjoy their lattes at Starbucks when there are people harassing them or robbing them or threatening them because there's no police? So it's, it's perfectly fine to riot in person and protest in person, but it's not okay somehow to show up to vote at a polling place that one spreads the virus and one doesn't. It's just like Costco and Walmart, these stores that are open. You apparently can't get the virus at Costco and Walmart, but apparently you can get it at a hair salon or at a gym or at a church. I have never missed so much in my life going to church and going to a gym. These were two just very simple but important fundamentals in my life. They've been wiped out. It's unbelievable to me that we're living through this. And we're living through this 
electoral chaos that's being sowed by the Democrat Party mainstream media cabal. And it doesn't help uh, when you have the former governor of Ohio, Kasich, batting for the opposition, giving... It's unbelievable he's going to be giving a speech at the Democrat convention, which uh, ostensibly unfolds in Milwaukee this week, even though people are going to be spread out all over the country. Nobody's going to be watching this nonsense. Nobody. You got Kasich out there batting for the Democrats. And then you have Romney. You know, not that Romney is relevant or not, but now he's talking to the news media saying that this latest coronavirus News, there's no way to spin that Donald Trump is doing anything except a bad job. So, in other words, Mitt Romney is out there criticizing Donald Trump and his response to the Wuhan coronavirus. And I would love to talk to Mitt Romney and these other people that are criticizing the president, including Joe Biden, and ask him what exactly did President Trump do wrong? What in his response would you have done differently when states screamed that they need the PPE, you know, the N95 mask? The president got the N95 mask. When the uh, Cuomo and company screamed that they need ventilators, he got the ventilators. And now there's an excess of ventilators out there, so much so we're giving them or selling them away to other countries. When... Los Angeles and New York City looked like they were going to have spiking numbers. The president sent these hospital ships to both cities. Neither was used. Neither was used for COVID-19 patients. Both of those ships steamed away within a few weeks of anchoring off of Los Angeles or uh, pulling into port in Los Angeles and pulling into port in New York. So how exactly did the president make mistakes They're attacking the man on the personal level, just like Democrats do. And I would put Mitt Romney in the Democrat camp, along with Kasich now. They don't like the president's style. The president has done nothing wrong. They simply don't like the way he tweets, or the way he combs his hair, or the way he carries himself, or the way he talks to the mainstream media. It's also personal. has nothing to do with policy. Donald Trump's response to the Wuhan coronavirus was as good as any president's response. And it was certainly better than Barack Hussein Obama's response to the H1N1, which was nil. And so President Trump's response has been fine. But when we look at where we are now, a quick COVID-9 update, because we have to keep things in perspective. You look at the total number of deaths in Los Angeles, which now stands at Los Angeles County, I should say, which now stands at 5,200. Los Angeles County has a population of approximately 10 million people. 5,200 out of 10 million, first of all, that's a relatively low number. When it, it's not, you can't just look at the number 5,200, but you have to look at it over time, right? So this is 5,200 spread over five months, six months. Let's call it five months to do the math a little bit easier. That's 1,000 a month approximately, right? 1,000 a month is not a cataclysmic number. 
And we know that the numbers are corrupt, but let's stipulate that the numbers are accurate. A thousand a month in a county of 10 million people is not exactly what how I would describe a deadly pandemic or epidemic. I would say that it's roughly probably similar to what the death rate is for the seasonal flu in Los Angeles. It might be slightly higher. But the more important comparison, apples and apples comparison, is with the country of Sweden. Now, you know I have been watching Sweden and studying Sweden because they have not done the draconian government response like we have seen in this country. Sweden allowed people to go to work. They didn't say shelter in place and stay home. They only issued a mask mandate in certain situations, I believe like on public transit where you're packed in potentially like sardines. That's about it. They allowed restaurants to open with some restrictions. They allowed bars to stay open with some restrictions. They allowed schools to stay in session. Sweden's population is approximately 10 million people. You know what the death rate, the total aggregate death number is in Sweden to this point? 5,700. So you have Los Angeles County, approximately 10 million people, 5,200. And you have Sweden, approximate population, 10 million, 5,700. Los Angeles, massive among the worst, most draconian, anti-constitutional lockdown, shakedown of its people in this country. Extreme, with an extreme radical mayor constantly hammering the constitutional rights of Los Angeles residents. And then you have Sweden over here who did virtually nothing They have no constitutional rights, of course. They don't have our constitution. But they did virtually nothing to inhibit the freedom of its people, yet the aggregate death number is roughly the same. And so how come the mainstream media in California or at the national level or even locally aren't asking Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, this question? How is it that Sweden has approximately the same aggregate death numbers as Los Angeles and they have no mask mandate? They have no mask police. They have no Karens running around screaming, you have no mask on! How is that possible? Why isn't the mainstream media doing its job? Well, the answer is pretty darn obvious. Of course, they're in the tank for the Republican Party and they want to help sow the fears of chaos that the Democrat Party is sowing right now. Um, Arizona. Here, here's an interesting one. They, they opened up schools and they canceled schools in Arizona. Arizona you know, is, is a, probably a purple state now. It's got a lot of Republicans in leadership. It's also got a growing number of Democrats. But, of course, the school system is populated largely by liberals. So they open up school and the teachers call a massive sick out. They had to close school. Isn't that nice? You know what I would do if I was in charge of that school district? I'd fire every last one of those teachers and give them an ultimatum. If you don't show up for work, you're fired. You're gone. I don't know if you have the ability to do that with the union contracts, uh, but that's what I would do. I would say 
the hell with it. But then we have this report, more COVID news, uh, out of uh, Fox News. And this is important. This is going to be glossed over by the mainstream media, completely ignored. And that is the headline, Lasting Immunity Seen After Mild COVID-19 Infection. Um, What has been debated is, are there antibodies? Do people retain the Wuhan coronavirus antibodies? And how long do they retain them? Well, this report gives hope that the antibodies, number one, are created, do exist in human beings, and do last, we don't know indefinitely, this thing's only been around for fewer than six months, right? But there is the potential that the antibodies do live on uh, within human beings, and therefore we can establish herd immunity. Um, This is why New York has gone through the looking glass, by the way. Herd immunity has been established uh, in New York. And remember, New York and New Jersey combined account for about one-fifth of all deaths in this republic from the Wuhan coronavirus. So they went through a major tragedy, compliments of their Democrat leadership. And look at all these states, by the way. The states that are struggling the most, most of them are blue states. Most of them are run by Democrat governors. And you could drill down and apply the same thing to the city level. Most of them, the inner cities that are struggling right now with the Wuhan coronavirus, are run by Democrat mayors. Isn't that amazing? So when you combine New Jersey and New York, the aggregate death numbers in those states, it's roughly one-fifth of the entire aggregate death number in the United States, which is now around 170,000. 170,000 deaths. The number is corrupt, but again, if we stipulate that that is the accurate number, 170,000 deaths in a country of 330 million people, and we have shut down and we have destroyed our economy, we have shut down businesses and destroyed businesses, they're still shut down in in many states, some gyms are never going to reopen. Some restaurants are never going to reopen. Some hair salons are never going to reopen. It's absolute insanity. And what it's doing to the younger generation in particular, and sending this message of fear because of a virus, what's going to happen the next virus? hmm? What's going to happen when these Generation Zs and millennials are in leadership after seeing this foundation laid by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo? They have learned from this, right? The slightest fear, the slightest possible calamity on the horizon, what are they going to do when they're in leadership in government? Are they going to shut it down? Just like we have seen here? Are they going to do a Chuck Schumer or a Gretchen Whitmer and start sowing fear among the American people and the younger generations when they're in, in leadership? just like they're doing with the United States Postal Service right now. This is what it's all about. Sowing fear and corrupting the process, the electoral process. All for political power in the end. They have destroyed our economy. Hopefully it will recover. It's certainly not going to be like a rubber band recovery. We know that already. It's just not happening. There are signs of recovery 
But when you have these governors with their well-shined shoes on the throats of their economies, you're never going to see a robust turnaround. It's impossible. Um, so they attack the economy. They allow attacks in the streets of major cities vis-a-vis Portland, vis-a-vis Seattle. So is chaos. There are, uh, the economy, there's chaos in the economy right now, whether we like it or not. There's chaos in the streets of various blue cities. And by the way, a note to the White House, just let it unfold the hell with it. You know, when people need help, they're going to call the White House for help. And as long as we still have, knock on wood, the ability to move within states and and, uh, from state to state, which is what the framers of the Constitution gave us, this mobility within the confines of the United States border, as long as we still have that ability, don't worry about it. As, if that's ever cut off, then we're in trouble. But these people who are constitutionally thinking residents of Portland and Seattle should be packing their bags right now. And we're seeing businesses do that. They're saying, we're out of here. We're not going to be in any kind of society that does not support the police. Because in the end, it's going to cost them. It's going to cost them a, a hell of a lot. So... So chaos in the economy, so chaos in the streets of of certain cities, so chaos in the mail system, right? This is what we're seeing right now. The modern Democrat Party sowing chaos within as many sectors of our society as possible so that they can win an election, so that they can gain more power. And we have alongside this all week the Democrat National convention and the nominating process of, of Joe Biden. But here's the real question. If we look down the road, about a month from now are the scheduled debates, month and a half from now, late September and uh, early to mid-October, three, last I checked, are scheduled. The question is, and this is my ledger register for this week, you can go to GrahamLedger.com, GrahamLedger.com for this question to answer it, or you can go to the ZipApp.com. The Zip app, enter Ledger in the quick code box. Will Joe Biden debate President Trump? Now, I know that seems like a, a simple question. And under normal circumstances, of course, right? Will Hillary Clinton debate Donald Trump in the 2016 election? Of course. Of course they were going to debate. Will uh, Barack Obama debate Mitt Romney in the 2012 election cycle? Of course. It was a given. <laughs> Nothing's a given now, right? Absolutely nothing can be taken for granted now. We know that the Biden campaign has said they put out there a couple of stipulations, a fact checker, they want Donald Trump's tax returns, all this nonsense, right? They have put these out there on the table as foundation for not debating. And so what appeared to be a dubious and simple question Uh, with an obvious answer four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, is now a very good question. Will Joe Biden debate President Trump? Will these debates ever happen? It's a great question because, as I said, we're in the midst of this sowing all this kind of fear. And if the American people buy into what Joe Biden says and his future mask mandate if he becomes President of the United States, then they might buy into... Some lame excuse that, well, we, for the safety of this elderly candidate on the, on the Democrat side and for the safety of Donald Trump 
as well, we better not meet uh, and debate. And maybe we can do a Zoom debate. Maybe that's what they'll be suggesting uh, with Dr. Fauci as the moderator. In the meantime, just fasten your seatbelts for more chaos that's being sowed by the modern Democrat Party. And right now, they are using the United States Postal Service and the decrepit system that exists within the United States Postal Service as the latest vehicle to deploy these seeds of doubt and these big dark clouds of chaos that are permeating, unfortunately, the landscape of the United States of America as we count down fewer than 80 days to the most important election of our lives. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the archives of the Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I'm wrong, I'm right.